Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6-18, through 18, called, Brethren, Do Not Grow Weary of Doing Good. Chapter 3 gets to more of the practical issues. We're moving away from the eschatology or theology, if you will, and we're moving now more to behavioral kind of stuff. Steve Brown relates a story of a soldier in World War I who was so distraught with the war that he deserted. He tried to find his way to the coast so he could catch a boat and make his way incognito to his homeland in England. In the darkness of the night, he stumbled on a road sign. It was so pitch black and he was so lost, he had no idea where he was or what the sign said. So he decided to climb up the pole. When he got to the cross beam, he held on to read the sign. Taking out a match, he lit it. He looked directly into the face of Jesus Christ. He had climbed on an outdoor crucifix. Stunned by what he saw, he realized the shame of his life. He was looking into the face of the one who endured it all and had never turned back. The next morning, the soldier was back in the trenches. Some of you may feel that way. It feels like exiting stage left in a crazy world like this might be the best option. You guys have heard about suicide rates skyrocketing and abuse and all the other things that shutdowns have done and just the pressure of life have done to people. And some people in Thessalonica, because of, apparently because of Day of the Lord teaching, or maybe just because this is how they were, they began to drain the church. Here's what they were doing. They might have been saying something like this. This is a bit of conjecture, but they may have been saying, hey, the Lord could come. And perhaps, you know, some people have been saying that we've entered into the Day of the Lord. That was a false teaching. But, and maybe some people were saying that and they said, we're going to just quit our job. And it's up to the Christian community to take care of us. So if I'm running short, I'm not going to work anymore. I'm going to study my Bible all day and uh, I'm going to mooch off of God's people. And that's what some of these people were doing. Remember, this is not about people who could not work. That is, were disabled or beyond their working years. That's not what the text is addressing. This is addressing able-bodied people who refused to work. And I could spend the next 20 minutes talking to you about our society and entitlement and things that are going to get us in trouble if we don't recapture a good work ethic. America was known for a work ethic of working hard to provide for your family. And I'll tell you what, if you, if, if this, the way the political movements are where people are trying to get people to buy into an idea that everybody should just hand you everything is not healthy for people, and it's not biblical. And that's my main concern. It's not biblical. Did you read the verses with me? It's not biblical to sit at home, watch terrible daytime television, and wait for the government to give you a check. That's not the way we were wired. In fact, before the fall, Adam was given responsibility over the garden to cultivate it and keep it. Before the fall, he was given work to do. Work is not a result of the fall. It's how we are wired. We're supposed to be busy and productive. 
And some people with a false notion or a false teaching have begun to live an undisciplined life. We've had some usual suspects over the years in church where this is what happens. And I'm not talking about legitimate needs, but we've had people, they go on the circuit of churches and they pull up in their automobile and they tell the same story to 10 or 20 churches about a sob story and a sick loved one in a hospital, you know, in San Diego. And we come to find out that they've been playing all the churches in the city. And we find out because we do talk to each other. And we find out that the same couple has been going around. Or sometimes what we have is we have a person who walks into a church, and I'm just being candid with you, this is what happens. They sit through a service, they walk forward at an altar call, they act like they're giving their lives to the Lord, but their real motive is to get material resources from us. This is where we need to be discerning as the people of God. Because we want to give to people. We want to make sure everybody's taken care of. And you guys do a tremendous job with the benevolence ministry here. And we take responsibility to make sure it gets funneled out properly. And if we have to default, we will default to grace. But we're not going to be manipulated by people. And we're not going to just, you know, not ask any questions and then just give stuff away. We want to make sure that this is genuine. And so in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you NIV brothers to keep away from every brother who is idle and does not live according to the teaching NIV you receive from us. In 1 Corinthians 15, 33, we hear Paul say this, these words. He says, bad company corrupts good morals. There's a flip side to this, that if you hang around people who, who live disorderly, undisciplined lives long enough, they are bound to rub off on you. Amen? So you got to choose your relationships carefully. Let me just say that this shouldn't shock anybody because even in the world, people pull back from toxic people. Amen? You, people try to choose their friends well. And if someone is in a relationship with you where all they do is constantly drain you and you find that not only is it toxic, but you're enabling them by continuing to pander to their unhealthy living, that's not healthy for them and it's not healthy for you. So you could call this section a little bit of tough love. And I know it's hard sometimes to put these things into practice. At what point do you do something like this? Well, here's what I would say. This is not about a person who's in a tough spot. This is not about somebody who's depressed or you know, is just having a tough go of it for a few weeks or a few months. This is a person who's in a habitual pattern of draining resources when they are fully able to work themselves. And it's just not becoming to a Christian. It's not honorable. It's not what should be happening. And so what do we do? How do you approach such a person? Do you text them and say, hey, we won't be hanging out anymore. Uh, you've crossed the line. You know, what do you do? Well, brethren, even if a man is caught in any trespass, Galatians 6.1, you who are spiritual you're to restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself, lest you be tempted. The idea of restoring in Galatians 6.1 means to mend or repair. It was originally used to set a broken bone. So if we go to someone in love, it's to try to encourage someone to walk right again. Amen. That's the idea of restoration. Any kind of discipline, whether you would draw a boundary in an unhealthy relationship, whether the church would practice church discipline, 
is ultimately for the restoration of that individual. If you keep the cycle going and you continue to feed and enable unhealthiness, it's just a bad situation. And I'm sure if you've been around long enough, you guys can probably think of multiple people that you know who are caught in this kind of cycle. And sometimes there are people who are feeding the cycle. And it's very difficult sometimes because we think we're doing stuff in the name of love, but ultimately we are doing stuff that's probably counterproductive. For you yourselves know seven, you had firsthand knowledge, how you ought to follow our example because we did not, says Paul, and he's speaking of the other missionaries as well, act in an undisciplined manner among you. You had a firsthand example of how to live. We didn't just tell you what to do by instruction. We actually lived it out. We did, uh, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with labor and hardship, we kept working, notice, night and day so that we might not be a burden to any of you. And not because we do not have the right to, to this, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you that you might follow our example. Some things that we do, we just simply should do to be a good example to people. And we have to put that within our thinking as believers. Jesus washed the disciples' feet on the night before he died. And he said, you call me master and Lord. You're right, that's what I am. If I, your master and Lord, wash your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. You can check out John 13, 13 through 18. I've given you an example. The disciples had a living example. The Christ didn't just teach sermons. He touched people. He didn't just give these amazing sermons, as amazing as they are, like the Sermon on the Mount and many others that we could talk about but he actually was in the trenches with people going over to the other side of the lake to touch a man who was, you know, demonized. And we could talk about story after story. Shane mentioned the woman at the well crossing a racial boundary into a place where Jews were not expected to go to speak to a woman who had been married and divorced five times, was living with the man that she was with now and probably was a very wounded person because in that culture, women didn't have the right to divorce. So she was probably abandoned multiple times and Jesus had an appointment with her. And the disciples often asked questions while he was interacting with people like, what is he doing? Why is he here? They were often confused and he was modeling what it means to be a Christian, which means to walk in the same manner as Christ walked. That's what a Christian is. A Christian is not just about a creed. It's about conduct. It's about life. It's about how your marriage looks and how your work ethic looks and how your friendships look and what it says on the entries of, you know, where you give your money and where you spend your money. You're not called to loaf it, neither am I. A man was driving on a lonely road one summer day and he saw a car with a flat tire pulled over to the shoulder of the road. A woman was standing next to the car looking down in dismay at the flat tire. The man decided to pull over and play the Good Samaritan. He grew hot and sweaty and dirty in the hot sun as he changed her tire. The woman was watching him and when he was finally finished, she said, be sure and let the jack down easily now because my husband is sleeping in the back seat of the car. Let it down gently. 
he's, he's getting his little nappy poo. <laughs> Say what? <laughs> I hope y'all get it. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. I'm Rob Newton, Program Director for Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance. I've been working with this ministry for nearly three years. I have to tell you, I'm so blessed the Lord has connected me with Pastor Michael and the entire staff at Living Truth Christian Fellowship. I've worked with quite a few ministries, and I'm going to be honest with you, I could be skeptical. Well, if I'm really honest, judgmental right off the bat because of my past experiences working with other ministries. I'd think, okay, they seem kind and loving. Let's see how long this lasts. Anyway, the point I'm making is that Pastor Michael and the entire staff, and I mean the entire staff, are wonderful people. Did you know before we end a staff meeting with prayer, we end it with making a list of people who need or are asking for prayer and pray for them too. I can go on and on about the staff, but time's ticking away. If you've been listening for some time, I want to let you know from my experience, Pastor Michael is a good man. He cares about the mission the Lord has placed before him. He loves his church, and he loves you. Why else would he speak the truth even when you don't want to hear it? This podcast exists because of him, and the Lord's gift to him. We would love to expand this ministry to be on more radio stations, and we need your help to do it. Before we can add a radio station, we need our largest radio station airtime bill to be completely funded by listeners like you. That price per year is $44,500 a year. Now let's get transparent. Walk in Truth has been on the air since 2012, thanks to our church. Last year, 16 listeners outside our church collectively gave nearly $1,500. We were so grateful and excited to see growth. I mean, really excited. This year, in all its uncertainty, has surprised us and given us so much hope. So far, 191 listeners have collectively given nearly $11,000. It's amazing, right? We would love your help and support to raise the remaining $33,500. Monthly partnership is what we need. Can you commit to giving at least $1 a month? We have a lot of podcast listeners, and if even half commit between $1 and $5, we will make our goal. If everyone thinks, well, others will give that $1 a month, I don't need to then most won't give. Your monthly partnership is needed. If you're a new listener, please only help by praying for our ministry and its mission to equip people with God's truth. But if you've listened for some time and you're starting to see Walk in Truth as I do, please commit to giving $1 to $5 a month. Or if you're already a monthly partner, upping your gift by $5. Please visit walkintruth.com today to give your tax-deductible donation. That's walkintruth.com. And thank you. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. Your work ethic looks and how your friendships look and what it says on the entries of, you know, where you give your money and where you spend your money. You're not called to loaf it, neither am I. A man was driving on a lonely road one summer day and he saw a car with a flat tire pulled over to the shoulder of the road. A woman was standing next to the car looking down in dismay at the flat tire. The man decided to pull over and play the Good Samaritan. He grew hot and sweaty and dirty in the hot sun as he changed her tire. The woman was watching him and when he was finally finished, she said, be sure and let the jack down easily now because my husband is sleeping in the back seat of the car. Let it down gently. He's, he's getting his little nappy poo. Say what? <laughs> I hope y'all get it. See, what in the world's going on there? Well, things are out of place. They're out of order. 
Not because we don't have the right, Paul says. And when he was in Thessalonica, two times the Philippian church sent him a gift, Philippians 4.16. So it wasn't that Paul wasn't receiving some support, but part of his motivation here was to be an example, to work hard. Because the culture at that time was very suspicious of the Christian church. Rumors were flying about things that Christians did behind closed doors. They were wrong, but they were rumors nonetheless. There was distrust and disinformation about believers. And Paul wanted to make sure that he separated himself from every so-called traveling philosopher who charged money when they preached. And so Paul had the right for support because those who share the gospel should make their living by the gospel. Nothing wrong with that. But Paul knew that there was something higher in towns like Thessalonica and Corinth where there was suspicion. So he decided not to take support from those people and to actually work hard at his trade, which he was a tent maker. And so he taught the word of God and he worked. And there are many bivocational ministers throughout the country. Do you know that the average church in America is less than 100 people? I think it's about 80 people, the average congregation. If you live in a city like this, you are not going to make it with a congregation of 80 people. You probably can't even pay a senior pastor to support his family. So there are many bivocational pastors who work a job and, you know, uh, teach and support the congregation. The Didache, an ancient uh, church manual about the turn of the century, say, say about 100, 100, 115 AD, somewhere in there, instructs Christians on how to deal with people who show up as visitors. Listen to this. If he who comes as a traveler comes, help him as much as you can. But he shall not stay with you more than two days, or if necessary, three. If he wishes to settle down with you and has a craft, let him work for his bread. But if he has no craft, make such provision for him as your intelligence approves, so that no one shall live with idleness as a Christian. If he refuses to do so, he is making merchandise of Christ. Beware of such people, close quote. That's an early church manual that says, People should not stay at your house more than two days. If you want a copy of that for Thanksgiving, I will happily copy it for you because some of you have family members that, you know, eat your favorite part of the turkey. And, but you know, they can't come over this year anyway, right? So, so you have an excuse if you need it. Or some of you are getting creative and saying it's a funeral service for Tom the turkey. I, I get that as well. So whatever you got to do anyway. For we hear... Present tense, we keep on hearing that some among you are leading an undisciplined life, doing no work at all, but acting like busybodies. We hear that some people are running around, not doing anything. And the command in verse 10, for even when we were with you, we used to give you this order. We commanded you, same Greek word. If anyone will not work, neither let him eat. Now, some of you should put that on your refrigerator if you have children. Uh, you have those chore lists. This should be your verse right here. Did you make your bed? No, no cooking for you. <laughs> Our kids need to get a little stronger, a little soft. Don't you think? Anyway, <laughs> that's second Thessalonians 310. The advice is free. Okay. If you want to drop a little extra in the offering, <laughs> no, anyway. 
1 Timothy 5.8 says, If anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, listen to this, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. My goodness. That's a Bible verse. I know it's not a comfortable one. But if someone is in a pattern where all they do is sit around and expect other people to take care of them when they're able-bodied, there's something wrong. And we're not to feed that. This is where it'd be good if our country got back to the word of God, don't you think? Now, such persons we command, what, what do we do? Well, Paul says, we're commanding these people. First, he addressed the people about how to deal with them, the believers there. Now, he addresses the folks that are the slack ones. Now, such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to work in a quiet fashion and eat their own bread. These people were commanding, be quiet and get to work. <laughs> you didn't know all this was in the Bible. Isn't this wonderful? Anyone who fits this description in a fellowship is commanded to get back in line. And as one scholar puts it, stop fussing, stop idling, and stop sponging. Just cut it out. But as for you, brethren, back to the church now, don't grow weary of doing good. NIV says, as for you, brothers, never tire of doing what is right. In due season, we will reap if we don't grow weary, we're told in Galatians. Are you tired? I tell you, this is, this is a weary world. And I'll tell you, 2020, like no other year I can remember, I look around at a weary world. I know there's confusion. And, you know, there's, you hear 17 different sides of a story. What are you to believe? And what are you to do? It's where we need wisdom. We need the word of God. We need discernment. But don't give up, brother. You've been listening to Brethren, Do Not Grow Weary of Doing Good, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael's teaching in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 through 18. Remember, Walk in Truth is on podcast apps like Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Player FM, Stitcher, and many more. So you can listen to Pastor Michael's teaching whenever you want. If you're already listening to Walk in Truth on Apple Podcast, please give the podcast a rating. The more good ratings, the greater the possibility that new listeners will find the podcast. Thanks for rating Walk in Truth. And remember, if you haven't already done it, search and subscribe to Walk in Truth wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here's Pastor Michael. We know as this pandemic began, many people were excited about the live stream numbers. Look at how many people are watching. But you know what's happened? Many people aren't watching anymore. Do you know why? Because it is easy for us to become idle and distracted. And some of you may be thinking, well, in a time of pandemic, how do you reach out and minister to people? How do you do it from six feet away with a mask on? <laughs> well, that's not easy. But I'll tell you this. Uh, there are churches that are meeting, and some are doing it in different ways. But let me add, just ask you this question. Are you engaged right now? Are you stepping out and saying, Lord, use me? And if 
for whatever reason, your opportunities are limited, how about you take up a prayer ministry? How about a ministry of encouragement? How about something where you can do it virtually? Maybe it's dropping stuff off at people's homes without, you know, uh, necessarily gathering. There, there's, there's ways to do it. But if you can gather, I would encourage you to gather. Be wise, but gather in his name and minister to as many people as you can. Because you know what? Friends, time is limited and the days are evil. And we're to make the most of every opportunity. That's Ephesians 5, right around verses uh, 14 through 16. We need to be wise, wise. Well, thank you for listening to Walk in Truth. This is Pastor Michael Lance, and uh, we're going through Second Thessalonians, and we're excited to be wrapping up the book. Thank you for joining us, and thank you for praying for us and partnering with us. We so appreciate our listening family. And uh, we are looking forward to part three of this message tomorrow. Tell a friend about what you're hearing, and we'll see you right here. God bless you. One more reminder that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported program. Your tax-deductible donation helps us broadcast on radio, provide the podcast, and do free apologetic events. It's all part of our mission to equip you with the truth in the Bible and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Please consider becoming a monthly partner, too. $10 a month is greatly needed, so visit walkintruth.com and click donate. That's walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part three and the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 through 18, called, Brethren, do not grow weary of doing good. I'm Mike Massaro. Hey, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.